HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio. I'm here with hey, Corey hey, Quinn, a foodie food lady, talking to you again. Today it's raining. I'm in New York City. Where are you, Corey? We've got sunny skies here in Indianapolis, so hopefully they'll be drifting your way here pretty soon. So give us a little picture of what's the food, what's the foodie scene in Indianapolis, what draws you to Indianapolis and... Where is the oh, it is, where is the market it moving? It is an amazing time for to the be producers of in fine products in your sure. region there. Oh, hello, Severin. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi, Severin. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we had a little. There was like a series of beeps that I heard on my end. I'm sorry about that. Let's maybe let's just start all over again. How about that? Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> um, hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers. And today we're going to get a little foodie perspective um, from Corey Quinn, who was focused more on the processing end. Um, I wonder. I wonder if you could talk about your smoking goose situation. Oh, sure. It's a great situation to be in. Uh, kind of a nice perk is that we all get to go home smelling like bacon every day. So either our, our significant others or the pets in the neighborhood are really happy to see us, that's for sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great place to work, definitely. Uh, we're a, a USDA-inspected wholesale production facility, and so we get uh, whole animals in one door, and butcher everything by hand uh, using old-school seam butchering techniques. And then out the other door uh, comes fresh sausages, salumi, uh, dry-cured and fermented meats, uh, and, of course, smoked meats as well. 
it's a lot of fun. So uh, no let's talk about the, the context for, for sure. the Salumeria, Salumeria scene in America. How many, how many salumi makers are there in the States? And why is it that I noticed there's a cluster in the upper Midwest? Is there something about the climate for making salumi? Well, yeah, we're, we're fortunate that there are more and more, you know, salumi and charcuterie producers in the States, um, you know, every year. It's a, a craft that goes back um, hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, of course, first out of necessity, but as a, as a treat for all of us who eat, it uh, actually tastes really good, too. And so I think, um, you know, especially here in the States, uh, there's kind of a renewed interest in, in working by hand, in uh, working on projects that uh, take a little bit of time, that take a little patience, and in projects that uh, kind of over-deliver in the effort that you put into it. So when you start out with really good raw ingredients and you let salt and thyme do its work, um, magic happens, you know, <laughs> at the end of that, that dry curing, at the end of that fermenting, at the end of that aging time, uh, you know, you've got a product that tastes like nothing else and is absolutely delicious. Um, I think here in the Midwest uh, where there's, you know, almost always been a tradition of raising animals, um, there are a lot of folks who are interested in raising animals uh, just like they did hundreds of years ago, you know, raising them on pasture, raising them without antibiotics, um, you know, treating them almost like members of our own family. And that makes for amazing raw ingredients. That makes for, you know, really the essence of, of um, the best meal. <laughs> and so since the best meal often comes from, you know, the shortest distance from where uh, the produce was created, from where that animal was raised, I think it's only natural then that there would be maybe a cluster of, um, of charcuterie producers close to where those animals are raised. Make, makes sense in the Midwest for sure. So how did you get involved? What was your pathway to Salumi? What was your um, <laughs> journey like? How do you get the skills to run this kind of a business? And maybe uh, in, in figuring out what that business was, where did you look for guidance in terms of the enterprise? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think down underneath it all, uh, I was really just hungry. <laughs> um, Chris and Molly uh, Ely, who own Smoking Goose and Goose the Market, uh, are a young couple. Um, he's a professionally trained chef and worked in Chicago, uh, opened a bunch of fancy restaurants and created menus for all sorts of fancy pants chefs. Um, uh, Molly uh, has a background in, in teaching and in school counseling, um, and so between the two of them, um, they knew they wanted to come back to Indianapolis and they wanted to own their own business. And so when they opened up uh, Goose the Market uh, a little over seven years ago now, um, I was actually in Italy. I was finishing up a grad school degree, um, and I knew I was going to be coming back to Indiana. Uh, and I happened to see online that this new place called Goose the Market was hiring and so from literally the other side of the world, um, I started badgering Molly <laughs> and sending her emails, um, you know, letting her know I was a, a native Hoosier um, who was really excited about what they were doing and, uh, you know, would be honored to have a chance to work with them as soon as I got back on this side of the pond. And um, really luckily, you know, they, they gave me a shot. Uh, we started working together. And um, over seven years later, you know, we're, we're still having fun working together. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, Goose the Market was the, the first business that they opened in Indianapolis, and it's a, a storefront that's open to the public. It's a full-service butcher shop, and we also have a beer and wine cellar. 
amazing cheeses, lots of fresh produce, really kind of a one-stop shop, uh, you know, for for dinner, for lunch, uh, lots of things to munch on while you're here in the store, too. And since we were, you know, making our own bacons, our own sausages, uh, you know, starting to cure some of our own meats here at Goose the Market, um, the idea of, of doing all of these delicious things with these same amazing farmers, but just on a bigger scale, you know, started to grow, started to sprout. And so a little over three years ago, uh, Chris and Molly opened Smoking Goose, which is that wholesale production facility. So, you know, based on those hometown recipes and based on a lot of those connections that they were able to make with with farmers, um, now being USDA inspected, you know, we can sell Smoking Goose meat treats from coast to coast. So literally from San Diego to Brooklyn, you'll be able to find our good stuff. Um, and so being part of that growth, being part of, you know, being able to be a, a butcher for a couple of years and then helping to manage the seller wine bar for a couple of years um, and now getting to help uh, other customers, you know, tell the goose story, tell um, why our products are different and why they're delicious and how to serve them and how to eat them and, you know, to feed off of their creativity about how they like to serve them and how they like to present them to their guests too. Um, you know, it's a it's a really, really cool part to get to be, um, you know, part of the the good food that people are putting on their table at night, whether, you know, I'm handing them a bottle of wine at Goose the Market or, you know, whether I'm helping uh, a, another customer in San Diego bring in our salumi so they can great get, meal, get good meals on the table on the West Coast, too. Um, I love that. I love the idea that we're, we're helping folks have a good meal. <laughs> that keeps me inspired, for sure. So... Uh... Two questions. First one is, where does this? What is this about goosing the market? And then the second question is, uh, what is the alternative? I mean, you're using these old school methods, and you're having your new school flavor innovation, innovation, innovation. But um, what's the alternative? What What's the competition doing? The bigger scale processors. What kind of stuff are they putting in their meat? Um, both really good questions. The goose the market <laughs> is it is a pun on goosing the market on sort of um, you know stirring things up, uh, surprising things. Um, Molly, the owner's uh, nickname as a kid was Goose, and so it's also partially in her honor. This is Goose the market, uh, and then also the idea of uh, kind of a mother goose, you know, sort of taking care of the neighborhood, um, providing for the neighborhood and for the city, uh, kind of a, an op, uh, a conglomeration, a combination of, of all three coming together. And so out of the market, Goose the Market, sprang Smoking Goose, sprang the wholesale production facility and the, the, the smokehouse out there too. Um, and what they do at Smoking Goose is, is quite a bit different than uh, a lot of the mainstream, than a lot of the um, corporate meat producers. Um, at, at Smoking Goose, we believe that real meat has a tail, and uh, it's not the cor- you know, the curly or the short or the fluffy kind of tail, but the, the tail that means it has a story. Um, so that story begins right down on the farm. You know, we know uh, all of the farmers that we're working with. Uh, we have a, a, a solid relationship with all of them. There's nothing anonymous about the raw ingredients that we start out with, and um, so many you know, of the, of the larger producers um, may not be able to say that, you know, may not be able to say that they've visited the farm, that they can uh, attest to the animals being treated healthfully, humanely, sustain, sustain, sustainingly as well. 
Um, and then in terms of the craft, in terms of the handwork, um, the team at Smoking Goose uh, literally works by hand, uh, seam butchering every single animal. It's a, an old school way of butchering that uh, takes a little bit more time, uh, takes a lot more effort, takes definitely more training, but the end result is, uh, is worth all of that extra time and money too. Uh, it's a way of, of breaking down uh, whole animals by the natural seams where the muscles uh, come together. So even though it would be cheaper and faster to just sort of buzzsaw, you know, right through <laughs> in sort of into sort of smaller mystery meat portions, um, you know, the, the end result, those whole muscle uh, dry-cured pieces, the copa, the capicolo, the dry-cured hams, the culatello, uh, you know, are never going to taste the same uh, if you don't start out with that craft, if you don't take your time and do that trimming uh, carefully and intentionally in there too. Um, the things that we use to flavor our meat treats at Smoking Goose also differ quite a bit. Uh, we use organic whenever possible and, of course, all natural. Uh, we never cure with additional compound nitrates, so uh, no pink salt that, uh, that cures our stuff. Uh, we only use sea salt and celery powder. Um, celery actually contains uh, a natural nitrate, um, Nitrates, of course, occurring everywhere <laughs> in nature. Um, but in this way, uh, it's a slow, controlled uh, cure. It's one that's, that's all natural that, again, takes a little bit more time, um, takes quite a bit more effort. But the flavor uh, that develops over that slow cure, that slow ferment, um, is incomparable. I mean, you, you, just, can't, uh, you just can't replace it with uh, a chemical <laughs> or with a quick fix in there, too. Um, and so all of this kind of sums up um, into the final proof, into the first bite that you So, uh, let's talk a little bit more. I, I, the quick fix and the slow go, I mean, what, what's the hazard of slow? Is the hazard of slow uncontrolled mold? And how do you deal with uncontrolled mold? Next, next question. Can you tell us more about the rinds and the, and the intestine linings that you use to stuff the salumi in and, uh, what are the what's the what are the uh, hazards and benefits of using a natural casing? Oh sure, absolutely. Um, at Smoking Goose, uh, we do use all natural casings. We use uh, clean intestines. We also use uh, coal fat and bladders, um, different animal products that have been used uh, literally for centuries um, to cure and to to ferment meats. Um, the, the benefits are many. <laughs> um, they've been proven over time uh, to work, of course. Um, there's long traditions in, in France and Italy and Spain, in Greece even, of, um, of using these different cuts and, uh, and how they work. Um, there, there is, of course, uh, you know, always a safety issue. Um, you know, we want to make sure that everything that we make isn't just delicious but also safe. Um, and so, like any USDA-inspected production facility, you know, all of our products are, are tested and have to pass um, really pretty rigorous tests before they're available to the public. And those um, regulations and parameters are all set by the USDA, um, and all of our products, uh, you know, have to meet all of those criteria before they're taken away. Um, the, the benefits, too, are aesthetic. Um, the, the oftentimes, the casing adds texture and flavor to a particular meat treat. Um, you know, we, we inc include the ingredient, we include the, the casing as an ingredient in the product. Um, you know, it only makes sense to be used in the product if it's going to make sense to be in your mouth, <laughs> if it's going to make sense to, to taste good and to look good on the plate in there too. 
um, the, it is, you know, uh, probably cheaper and probably easier uh, to go with synthetic uh, casings. Um, the, the one of the drawbacks we find is that that li really limits our creativity. Um, you know, everything has to be the same diameter, the same size, uh, the same weight, and um, you know, there's just too many delicious ideas out there that you know, we're we're not willing to sacrifice um, a shortcut or uh, you know a, a cheaper product to to put ourselves inside that box. Um, you know, we'd be cheating ourselves of, um, of that inspiration, but we'd also be cheating our customers out of the, the best bite we could possibly give them. Let's just move into, um, into, into our finishing statement. Um, where would you, here's my next question for you. Where would you point an aspiring uh, butcher or even somebody who just wants to raise animals and know how to raise animals that are appropriate for and for, for, for value-added production. What do you think are some critical training points that they should make sure to achieve in that training process? Oh, this is an exciting time uh, for folks who are interested in, in these kind of opportunities. Um, there's more and more of them every day. Um, whether they take kind of a, a more formal program, uh, you know, something that could end up in a degree, um, more classroom time, um, or um, my probably favorite way <laughs> to go about it is uh, to, is really to do some on-the-job training. Is to do um, some uh, kind of get paid to learn sort of <laughs> sort of situations. Um, whether they're interested in the farming aspect, um, and that can you know be as simple as really volunteering with one of your local farms. Um, they're always looking for extra help. And it's a, an invaluable experience to get to see what real life on the farm is actually like. Um, so volunteering is a huge is a huge opportunity. Um, at Smoking Goose, we offer a program called the Meet Minuteman program. It's a, a really short-term uh, commitment. <laughs> Folks who are interested in working at Smoking Goose uh, can register to work for the day. Um, we'll suit you up uh, just like we do our USDA-inspected butchers and uh, throw you into the production facility. Um, you'll work side-by-side side with one of our butchers. Um, and again, really that hands-on experience. Um, all the training is provided on the job. Um, you get to see you know, really behind the scenes at Smoking Goose, um, everything from the whole animals coming in to you know, the very last draw at the, at the drawing room. And then uh, at the end of the day, we'll pay you in meat, which is a pretty good deal. <laughs> so you have that professional experience, and then you've got all kinds of good stuff to take home and, um, and prepare for your friends and your family, too. Um, another great place to, uh, to look for opportunities, there's a couple of different listservs and groups. Um, Com Food Jobs is a great place to look for um, volunteer opportunities, internships, and, of course, paid positions. Um, we also look at uh, good food jobs quite a bit as well, again, for volunteer and internships and paid opportunities. There's even a couple of Facebook groups. Um, some of them are based locally, so dependent on your neck of the woods. Um, you know, do a quick search on Facebook, and you'll be able to find some different uh, agricultural and culinary groups that provide um, job opportunities and then, of course, volunteer opportunities too. So workshops, opportunities with you, and uh, probably there's other other places that are offering a similar type of experience, even if it's not quite as formalized. Uh, one thing that's been really of great interest to me lately, noticing 
that there are often really amazing educational experiences to be had even outside of a um, organization or NGO or training, you know, training farm. If you go and express your interest and are willing to push a mop, there are so many people who will happily train you, and sometimes getting your um, getting your getting a broader range of experience can happen in that traditional apprentice apprenticeship way, and even people who might not consider it to be an educational experience. So. Uh, don't think everything has to be in a grant proposal. A lot of people don't work that way. And if you're one of those people, maybe you're not even listening to this radio show. So I'll stop talking about it. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone knows that there are a lot of awesome new films up on uh, ourland.tv. There's one on soil deposition, and there's one on drought, uh, dry land, runoff, uh, rainwater catchment with Brad Lancaster. And I want to give my guests a chance to announce anything that's upcoming in your bioregion. And I want to thank you guys all for listening. So one more one more moment to announce anything over there. And... Oh, here in Indy? Um, very exciting that uh, we're part of the Slow Food Indy and Slow Food USA's Slow Meat Campaign. Uh, we're hoping to be able to go out to Colorado this summer for Slow Meat uh, 2, uh, but right here in Indianapolis, we'll be hosting um, a slow food meeting for um, folks here in Indiana. It includes a behind-the-scenes tour at Smoking Goose and then a meat tasting with three different chefs, um, kind of talking about the Slow Meat initiative, um, what it means to everybody from kids in school to chefs in the kitchen to diners at grocery stores. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining, and thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of Young Farmer Radio. Hope you're doing great. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Oh,